Welcome everyone to the very first episode of What Do You Say with DDJ. I'm DDJ and before we get into our, my very first guest, I want to take a minute to give you all an idea of what to expect from this show. This show is going to be a sit-down interview style f format where I talk with individuals who have some kind of connection to the world of professional wrestling. Either the, because they wrestled, they promoted, uh, they managed, they sold merch, or they've done some kind of collaborative work with the wrestlers such as graphic design and things of that nature. Uh, most of the, the guests will be from the local Chicago scene. Although I'm hoping eventually to get some talent from various other parts of the country and possibly even some legends and some talent who currently appear on the national stage. Um, before we get into uh, guests, I want to thank a few people. Uh, first off, I want to thank my wife for putting up with my love of professional wrestling for just about nine years. I want to thank my son, Matthew, for being the best kid ever. I want to thank my mom and dad for always supporting me no matter what I've wanted to do in life. Dad, I miss you and I think about you every day. I want to thank all of my friends and my family for always being there for me and being my rock and my shoulder to cry on. And last but definitely not least, I want to thank two, uh, the two guys that inspired me to do this podcast. Uh, that would be Alberto Lara and David Stankin otherwise known as Scrump and Stank, host of the PWT cast, which is my favorite podcast. And again, these two are the guys that inspired me to get into this. Uh, without further ado, uh, my very first guest on What Do You Say is the Shot to the Top, P.L. Myers. Uh, P.L. Myers and I have been friends for just about 20 years, and he's been very involved in the world of professional wrestling. He's done interviews... He ma he's managed and still currently manages, and he's also run his own organization, which we'll get into during the show. He's a great dude who's gonna he's gonna share a lot of great stories, and I hope you all enjoy. So, ladies and gentlemen, uh, let's get right to it. This is my sit down interview with uh, Mr. P. L. Myers. Alrighty then, uh, thank you so much for turning into the first episode of What Do You Say with DDJ, and with me tonight is my very, to quote Mean Gene Okerlund, dear close personal longtime friend, Paul Myers, but in Chicago wrestling fans know this man as the leader of the Chicago Connection, the shot to the top, Mr. P.L. Myers. P.L., how are you doing tonight? First of all, I'm honored to be part of your very first show. It's groundbreaking, and, you know, for someone who has watched you, your energy, your enthusiasm for the sport of professional wrestling is second to none. And, you know, because of people like you and the fans of Chicagoland, I was able to taste some success because of the fans of Chicago. So I am honored to be on your very first show. Well, I appreciate those very kind words. We did have a lot of good times together and stuff. So, uh, first off, let's uh, let's give the audience a little bit of background information. Uh, tell everyone a little bit about yourself. Well, first of all, I have to take off the glasses because you know I'm indoors, and you know, um, first of all, growing up, just like everybody, we watch wrestling. We grew up watching. I grew up watching 
WWF, I call it superstars of wrestling, you know, back in uh, early 80s, you know, Hulk Hogan, he's like your first teddy bear. You love him, you hug him, but then you start watching the NWA and watching the Road Warriors, the Four Horsemen, you know, then you watch World Class and you kind of ditch the, the teddy bear and say, wow, look at all these great toys. And I was a huge fan. My very first uh, event was for my 13th birthday. Went to the All-State All Arena, the Rosemont Horizon, Hulk Hogan versus Nikolai Volkov. I had the Zare iron-on Hulk Hogan shirt on. And nice. I was, I was all in my glory. And I collected the LJN rubber figures. You know, my favorite one is Jimmy Superfly Snooker, who I worked with. And I got that figure from my grandparents um, in Pennsylvania, who actually built me a wooden wrestling ring for my figures, which I still have, to display in. And I asked them to sign it because that figure meant so much to me because my grandparents didn't have a lot of money, but they knew I was into wrestling and they got me my action figure, Jimmy Superfly Snuka. So just like everybody, we grew up watching it. We got the magazines, we watched it on television. And mm -hmm. then, you know, then, you know, you're not going to be a wrestler. So I started doing radio at Elmhurst College. Um, then I moved over to doing a, sh a show called Hero TV on Comcast. Uh, Continental Cable Vision, and I started meeting people. And I actually, my my first wrestling interview was in '96 with Road Warrior Hawk at the Illinois Special Olympics. I met Animal the year before, where they were doing it at the Rosemont, but they were at the convention center. So I met Road Warrior Hawk, and you know, just like you as a fan, you throw all the information at him. Said, you know, this guy's won six different championships, a Crockett Cup. This guy's a legend. He looks in the camera, and goes, "How can you not like this guy? He knows everything." And I was saying it because I was a fan of him. He was my, I hate to say, favorite of the two road warriors. You know, um, there's just right. something that clicked with me in Hawk. And, you know, I had the face paint on at Halloween as Hawk. And, you know, I went to the uh, UIC Pavilion to watch the road warriors win their six-man belts in the steel cage against the four horsemen. You know, I never thought I was going to meet Animal because back growing up, you never really met your wrestlers. You would stand out of the Rosemont Horizon and you'd see Bobby Heenan walk in. You'd yell, Weasel, that's the closest you got to these guys. So, And then, or if you bought tickets close enough to the front row, you could be that close to them. But you never met the wrestlers. So, 96, I started meeting some of these wrestlers I never thought I was going to ever meet. And so, I met Hawk and that friendship. Um, and I was awestruck, you know. He signed my uh, my uh, picture that I had of him with him and Animal and Ellering with the Crockett Cup. Um, and he's like, after the interview, he said, hey, Paul, come here. What? You know my name? So so that led to interviewing Ted DiBiase at the first Nitro in Chicago in the uh, United Center, uh, which which we were doing in the interview in the in the ring, which you never do. Oh, that's awesome. And we're we're inside the United Center with Ted DiBiase interviewing him. And then all of a sudden, here comes Hulk Hogan. And then someone says, well, Mr. Hogan needs to use the ring. I'm like, well, me being the smart aleck, because, you know, growing up, Hogan was like, okay, you could shoot him in the head. He's not going to lose a match. So, you know, I'm like, well, let's just let the immortal Hulk Hogan come on in. He looks and goes, jerk. And it was it was a badge of honor for me. But I wasn't trying to be disrespectful to Hogan. It was just kind of funny that, you know, Hogan comes in the ring. But those led to interviewing The Rock in 98. Oh, you know, wow. it led me to do other interviews. So when ECW started coming around Chicago, as you know, um, 
I knew I could never work for WWF. I, I didn't think so. And then I started doing interviews with ECW because they were the hot thing in the time. And uh, I talked to Bill Alfonso, a very close friend after 20 years. He's like, yo, daddy, you can come on doing some interviews. Well, one wrestler, Tony the uh, Tony DeVito from the Baldy says, well, you're mm-hmm. too tall to do interviews. And I said, well, you're too short to wrestle. You know, <laughs> well, I traveled with ECW. I never worked for ECW. I went to a lot of their pay-per-views. And, you know, I, I, it's kind of like William from Almost Famous. If ECW would have been around, maybe I would still, maybe I got a job with them. I don't know. So I started to become a manager at that time because John Spahn introduced me to the guys from the LWF. At that time, when I was starting out, there was three companies in Chicago, Windy City by Sam DeCero, which was like WWF. You had, okay. you had PWI, which was with Sonny Rogers, which was like WCW. And then you had Billy Wack with the LWF, which was ECW. So there's only three companies in Chicago at the time. So I met the guys. Um, I met acid. I met great talent, uh, double M, uh, greatest super kick on the planet, the straight up villains, greatest tag team. I wish I managed. I met those guys. And then they introduced me to Billy Wack. And I, we came up with this, uh, idea of me being a lawyer, agent, manager, extraordinaire for Mike Brooks, who is Phil Brooks' brother, which is CM Punk. Because okay. CM, CM Punk worked for the LWF. So I was Mike Brooks' lawyer. So I came in. I started managing. Um, uh, Bailey Mannix, who was Floyd Turbo, was going to wrestle for PWI. Uh, he says, I'm going to go in a different character route. I'm going to be Marcus Dornboss III, April 29, 2000, and I need a manager. Well, P.L. Myers was created um uh at an ecw show um uh with talking to bill alfonso new jack and we we're talking about hey what do you want to do in this business i said uh i could do interviews in the back hey no problem ever thought of managing i said well i'm too tall he goes well gary hart was six foot four why don't you do it so we came up with there was too many pauls in the business so i came used my initials my dad and I used to play backgammon, and I'd beat him all the time. He'd have all the knowledge in the world, but I'd beat him with luck. So it was P.L. Myers, Pure Luck Myers, or the P.L. could stand for emotional locomotive or whatever. So I started using my initials as P.L. Myers, and then with DX and all stuff doing. So I said, well, I'm going to be I'm going to be the shot to the top. So I'm going right to the top. So that came up. I worked for the LWF um, uh, for a while. I managed. Uh, the uh, Havoc and uh, Tyler Cross uh, as a tag champs. I worked for them for about a year. And then I went back to PWI, started knowing those guys. And then we started uh, working on creating PCW, which, as you know, PCW created a legacy in Chicago of Dream Nights, which we came up with as a group, um, which was Dream Night was basically our WrestleMania. It was everyone's Mm -hmm. dream about the tunnel. And that's what we created. We called it Dream Night. Um, with the help of, uh, back in the day, you had Big Jack John Burke, who I managed, uh, one of the original members of the Chicago Connection. You had Jimmy Blaze, who runs uh, POW right now, but he worked for PWI, PCW. He started with uh, Stan DeCero. He did uh, uh, CCW Classic, and now he works for POW. Uh, you have Rick Knight, who, again, came from Windy City worked with PWI and then became PCW. And then Rick 
Rick Rocket and Wally Wild. So you had a lot of veterans that when we switched over to PCW, it was like, we got to start up a name of a company, make it look professional. Cause I came from the outside. I'm one, I'm not one of the boys. I did real, I did real estate, real, my real job. So I looked at everything as from a business standpoint. So when PCW took off, PL Myers took off and uh, created history. And then we formed the Chicago connection, which was, which has become uh, the most dominant faction of collecting championships where every athlete I've turned into a champion for gold and greatness and everyone's won a gold. And in the 20 years, we've only had 20 some members and some of them have been wrestlers, managers. We had a uh, Derek Deke was our flag bearer. They carry out the Chicago connection flag or the Chicago flag. Uh, we've had, um, uh, we got Mike Gilmartin, who was a head UIC trainer, uh, who worked with Michael Jordan, who I've known for 20 years, who's helped actually helped write the book, uh, Gate to Gate. Um, and then you've had uh, John G, who does John G's beat. He's part of the connection as far as PR. So there's a lot of different, when you're running a business, you have to look like a business and we're building a brand. And that's what the Chicago Connection has become. Uh, with myself and Cognito Jones right now, we got Santana Starks. Got a few more tricks up our sleeves, so it's uh everything's looking good. Awesome, it's a great uh, just you talking about all that stuff, especially with all the guys you brought up in PCW. That brought back so many memories for me because I mean I remember coming to the shows. I think it was two thousand two, two thousand three, two thousand four, and those were some of the best times I ever had. But so okay, so when did you like realize that um you know that PCW was like something you wanted to do like when was it like I don't know uh, when did it become like this is what I wanted to do I, I think the thing is that uh, most people have something inside them that wants to be part of something we're all square pegs trying to fit in a round hole and before comic cons and wizard worlds and stuff like this wrestling was the ultimate fan organization i mean people dressed up like wrestlers people would get the magazines and stuff so growing up this was a cool thing you know most people had football players and basketball players well mine were professional wrestlers my heroes were them and you know i felt it was the thing i was good at and when i joined worked up with pcw uh, a year into man managing it just clicked and it took a group of us to make it successful it wasn't just myself it was Rick Knight, Wally Wilde, Jimmy Blaze, John Burke, Rick Rocket. You know, we had uh, Nick Hedford was helping in the beginning. Uh, you had a lot of different parts of the wheel to make it work. And when PCW went through a few changes internally and guys left, we made it even more successful. But it took a team of effort to make those shows successful month after month after month and then lead up to the Dream Nights, which – bringing in celebrities no one really did i mean some companies did but didn't do what we were doing where we had the autograph sessions for the fans and they were reasonable prices i mean yeah you could bring in a legendary guy but you're in charge 50 60 ducks for an autograph no we wanted to make it fan friendly and that's what we did so pcw just clicked because that's where i was working so i just knew i was pl myers and pcw and the the owners gave me my freedom to do what I had to do. And yeah, I had a lot of people. I had a friend of mine, Bob Morenin, who runs wrestling figs. Him and I would sit down and say, all right, what guys should we bring in for autograph sessions? What guys can we bring in that's going to make a big 
uh, impact into Chicago. And that's what we did. So it was a real team effort. So when it really clicked, it, it just clicked. And I'm, I'm still a rookie, you know, just because I've done this for 20 now years doesn't make me a, a, a grizzled veteran. Yeah, I'm grizzled about certain things, but I'm still, <laughs> I'm still always learning. Right. So, so you've mentioned, you know, bringing in all the big names for your dream night shows. Now, obviously, you know, I remember, I believe it was the second one when you had the road warriors and Ellering along with Jimmy Snuka. And I remember that because I got to be a part of that. Thanks to you. I remember that. I got on the head with a coconut. Thanks a lot. I really appreciate that. <laughs> oh, anytime, anytime. I actually just was kind of looking through some of the book and I saw the part where all the pictures were and I saw that picture and it kind of gave me a chuckle because that brought back some memories. But um, that was definitely a memory for me. Yeah. So um, you'd mentioned, obviously, you know, some of the guys. So so who are all the guys that you brought in for Dream Night? Oh, I mean, you got to think it was 13 Dream Nights. And on top of it, you got to think of the, the, the all the talent that we brought in outside of Dream Night shows. I mean, we had yeah. regular shows that we brought in people, too. I mean, you the very first pers- people that we brought in were the Road Warriors when I managed them in uh, 2000. Um, in 2001, um, 2001, 2000, yeah, in 2000, actually, yeah, 2001, when I managed the Road Warriors October 20th at, at Oakland Pavilion, we drew over 900 people uh, for that event. Uh, unfortunately, I got beat up by the Road Warriors, and uh, the rest is history. And then we brought in Vampiro um, in uh, February in um, Melrose Park, and then Dream Night One was with the Road Warriors and uh, Kurt Henning showed up. This is one right when he got fired. So he showed up at the show. Wow. Then we came into dream night two. And he said, well, who are we going to bring us back? And he said, bring back the road warriors. He go, we just had them. I said, yeah, but this is a 20 year anniversary. So we were the only company in the United States to do a 20 year anniversary for the road warriors. And then we brought in Jimmy Superfly Snooker because 19 years uh, earlier, Jimmy Superfly Snooker got hit on the head with the coconut with Rod, uh, with uh, um, Roddy Piper. So we wanted right. to do something special for that. And, uh, you know, I came out dressed as Rowdy Piper with real bagpipes. I remember real, that. And people lost their mind thinking it was Rowdy Piper. And I had the kilt. It cost me quite a bit, but I wanted to do it right. You know, pay tribute to Rowdy because, you know, Rowdy wasn't available. But I want to pay tribute to Jimmy Superfly Snooker since I had ties with him. So, uh it was a it was a thing, and then you go onto that, then you bring then you bring in guys like Bret Hart. You got Kurt Angle, you got Mick Foley, you got Ric Flair came to a show. It wasn't a dream night. You had the Ultimate Warrior who, who also came in. You've had Leg Dusty Rhodes came to a dream night. You know, legends upon legends. I mean, we had Sting was our very last dream night we had. So there were guys that we brought in. You know, the biggest name guys, Matt Hardy, we brought in right after he got let go from WBF with the whole Lita situation. And that blew up and was ridiculous because he just goes to the ring, says hello, and a line out the door for his autograph. So we've had a lot of great superstars come through our door. Now, were they, were all the guys that you brought in for like the Dream Nights and the other shows, was there anybody that you would say was difficult to work with? Well, you know, there are difficult situations with every talent. Um, mm-hmm. remember, they're not used to coming to an independent wrestling show at that time. I mean, remember, we were first starting out. I mean, in New York and the uh, Northeast, they did a lot of this stuff. So in Chicago, there wasn't a lot of stuff done. 
up in Milwaukee, there was some stuff done, but in Chicago, it wasn't really done. So difficult situations, you know, yeah, I could tell difficult situations, but it's not a credit to them because they still came out. They were professional at the show. They did what they had to do. And, you know, everyone's history of each person is kind of skewed. So I think that the best way to remember every individual that came in Chicago is how they took care of the fans. I mean, think of the ultimate warrior stood in line for five hours with the fans. You had Ric Flair, you had Bobby Heenan, you had Jim Cornette come to a show. So you, if you take the greatest tag team, the greatest wrestlers, the greatest managers of all time, come through our company, Paul Ellering came through, Bill Alfonso came through. So you have the great, the best of the best come through. We set a standard of the talent that we brought in. Wow. Yeah. Um, all right. So I know, um, like I said, just from knowing you as long as I have, um, and stuff. One of the things that you and I always talked about, what like a lot, was the Road Warriors. Now, when did uh, like would you say that it went from you know you just be interviewing them to like okay these are like guys that I legit call true friends. Well, I think the thing was is that you know you all grow up watching them. You see one thing, and that's what happens, as you probably know, with the the wrestlers that you've met the heroes that they are on screen sometimes are not the people behind the scenes. Mm. And my friendship with Hawk kind of started back in 96 when I interviewed him. Then um, I don't know if you saw the dark side of the ring with the road warriors, I but did. All, all the footage from Hawk was from me. I interviewed Hawk uh, at gold gym at WrestleMania 13. So that friendship really kind of took off after he was in the AWF in Chicago in 96 to him going back to WWF um, to doing meeting him at um, WrestleMania 13 in Chicago to when he came back um, when he was engaged uh, or married at the time with his uh, wife, Dale. So that friendship really took off when I was doing the interviews with him because he invited me, Hey, come on up. We'll sit and talk. I mean, we hung out at gold's gym. We, I mean, I came into a, we're at WrestleMania 13, and Hawk brings me in a room f- with Brett the Hitman Hart, Arnold Skolin, and Gorilla Monsoon. Wow. I mean, I, and I said, I'm not just trying to name drop, but these were the people in the room. Um, mm. And then uh, when I became a manager and I actually worked with them, Hawk was wrestling an independent show in California the day before I managed the Road Warriors, October 20th, 2001. He got a concussion. And what happened is he decided to stay in Chicago the next day. Well, that day I spent the whole day with him just talking family, talking life, talking everything. And we just became friends. That was really more the time it bonded. We became friends. And then when we came back for Dream Night 1, which was great, and then Dream Night 2, when I paid tributes to the Road Warriors, you know, that's where it was just really like, I have to do this for my heroes. And that's where the friendship became. And then, unfortunately, when he passed away, October 19th, 2003, when I got the phone call at work, he passed away, one of the toughest days of my life. Um, yeah. Asked to go down to Florida and speak uh, on behalf of Hawk from the family. And that was the, the day for the public ceremony because the private one, Ellering spoke on the one day and then I spoke for the public service. So I just told my story as a fan because how many people can say they were a fan to actually 
be a friend and then also manage the road warriors. Cause there's only been three people that have managed the road warriors that I know of. It's Paul Ellering, Sonny, and myself. I've never seen them really be on an independent show with anybody else. Gotcha. You had mentioned, you're just talking about this, how like just friendly and inviting Hawk was. And I can definitely attest to that. Cause I remember uh, the night of uh, dream night two, when I was, we were all at, I think it was the old country buffet having breakfast with uh Hawk and Ellery, and I just remember sitting there next to Hawk and just talking with him, and he just made me feel like a friend. I mean, he was even cracking jokes uh, at my expense, and I think at one point he even questioned my sexuality because I hadn't been with a woman in a few months. Well, you know, Hawk was always that type of guy that, you know, he was the nice guy, and he never let me down as a, as a guy, and, you know, he could crack jokes. I mean, he he even brought me down to the X, X, uh, XWF, because he was working for them and he wanted me to get signed with them because I was a good guy and he believed in me as much as I believed in him. That's awesome. So, um, did now, do you still, uh, stay in contact with animal and or Paul and, uh, Hawk's widow? Um, after Hawk passed away, Hawk, Dale was very, has been very distraught. I mean, after the funeral, um, uh, the house, the they sold. They were selling like when Hawk passed away. They were selling their condo on the beach, which I stayed at when I went down there. They were moving into a house, and the house after Hawk passed away caught fire. <sighs> Almost memorabilia got gone, except for the pair of boots that I got and the tights that I have from the show I managed, um, which are right here. Oh Whoa. my God, those are awesome. So um, the the thing is that Dale's very distraught and she didn't want to talk to anyone, no matter who we were connected with Hawk or not. It wasn't she was being disrespectful or didn't want to talk. She just pulled herself away from everybody, even Hawk's family, um, his brothers and stuff. So um, I, I've, I still keep in touch with Animal uh, when I see him here and there and I talk to him and I tell him, hey, you need to come back with that old school shirt when they had the All Japan titles. Or I see Ellering and talk to Ellering because his daughter was working for WWE for a while. So I talked to him here and there, but I don't, I'm not as contact because unfortunately, yes, that you know them, but it's not the day-to-day conversation. Hey, how are you doing? What's new with the family? You know, because they're, they're so above a, a level that I, I, it's hard to talk to sometimes because they got stuff to do. They're trying to make money. This is their professional. Right, right. Okay, so I'm going to go into a uh, what would be called a cheap plug, and I'm going to uh, plug your book. That, which that I just and that handsome that? guy who did, the, who did that handsome guy there that uh, did the forward to the book. That would be Bobby the Brain Heenan. Yes. Now, now, obviously, that's going to beg the question. And first off, uh, you can get this book for uh, $14.99 on Amazon.com. And stuff, but uh, let's. T- you mentioned Bobby Heenan, so you told me this before we started recording. But I think this would be a really cool story to share with the audience. How did you get? How did the whole Bobby Heenan do in your forward come about? Well, the the funny thing is, when Hawk passed away, I decided to write a book. It wasn't about me. It was um, it was going to be about how I got involved in professional wrestling, and there was going to be a part that was going to be tributes to Road Warrior Hawk, which is in the book from Ric Flair, Bret Hart. Paul Ellering, a whole bunch of people, his family. Um, and 
uh, we're going to just all the proceeds which are going to go to the, which have went to the Illinois Special Olympics where I met Hawk mm-hmm. and the Illinois day camp program where I, I was a day camp counselor growing up as a kid. So we raised uh, quite a bit of money for both charities. Um, so when I decided to write the book, um, I was uh, Hawk passed away in 03. Um, and I, when I spoke at the funeral, I didn't know who was in the audience. I wasn't really looking because I didn't want to quote Mark out, but Vince McMahon, Vince McMahon was there, Bobby Heenan was there, um, I think uh, Tim Horner, DiBiase, Terry Taylor. It's everybody showed up for Hawks funeral, wow. but I wasn't going to quote Nikita Koloff was there. He spoke also. Um, just I just did my part. I didn't know Heenan was there. Uh, Fonzie was there too. Um, so after the funeral. Uh, I was talking to some of the guys from Elmer's College, and they're saying, hey, we just had Bobby Heenan on the show. Why don't you have him come on up? Now, I met Heenan for one of his first books that came out, and I was enamored, and I said, and I asked him, I said, what do you think about Captain Lobano as one of the great managers? He won 17 championships, tag champs. He looks at me and goes, it's all a work. <laughs> so I'm like, <laughs> oh, you're right, okay, so. Not to pull back the curtain on professional wrestling, but he did. Um, so, uh, and he was going through cancer at the time because he was lose, starting to lose weight. Right. Um, and uh, so Bobby Hayne was doing a book tour for his second book. So I said, why don't we do a book? T- if you're going to come through Chicago, why don't you come for the show and can promote the book? So uh, we bring him in. He was come t- came from Indianapolis, came into Chicago really late Thursday night. Friday morning, we had two, three radio appearances. His book signings in Schaumburg, at, I think it was a Barnes and Nobles. Um, and we were talking about what do you want to do at the show? And he goes, I don't care. We were said, well, why don't you just, well, you know, when you have throat cancer, you can never be a face anymore or a good guy. Uh, or, I mean, you can't be a heel anymore. You're a face because you're now a good guy. Everyone's sympathetic for your situation. So he says, why don't you take my book? and hit me in the throat like wow what i'm like yeah hit me in the throat so at the show i was brought in when we had chicagowrestling.com which was a a site for all the wrestling they were going to present me with manager of the year so i get the award ladies and gentlemen pl myers manager of the year let me introduce you to my new best friend bobby the brain heenan well here comes bobby the brain heenan out and Bobby Heenan said, hey, I have throat cancer. I appreciate everything you people have done for me. And I asked Bobby, hey, Bobby, could you do me one favor? Could you sign my book? Not a problem. Drop the pen, put him in a headlock, lift up the book for everybody to see. Bam. Hit him in his throat. Told him, who the hell do you think you are? I'm P.L. Myers, a shot to the top. You're nobody. Here's your ticket tape parade. And, uh, you know, ripped up his book. And came back to the back and I said, not to pull back the curtain, but nowadays every, the curtain's always pulled back. He said, great job. And uh, I said, thanks. Um, a few months later, he came into ring of honor with Jim Cornette. They were doing a, a, a show with, I think CM Punk. And um, I, Bobby said, Hey, can you help me sell my merchandise? Not a problem. So on the back, I said, life's too short. Um, Hawk passed away. He was my hero. He was my friend. And I'm writing a book and tributes to them. And, I just want to, I'm going to write what I did with you in Chicago, if that's okay. And I just want to thank you because life's too short. So I'm kind of saying thank you. 
He looks at me and goes, well, who's going to write the forward to your book? I said, my dad, maybe. I'll write the forward. Really? Yeah. Just give me time. I'll write the forward. And then at the Comic-Con in Chicago, he gives me the paperwork for the forward. And we put the book together. It took us a while to put the book together because I'm not great with the book. Uh, it, thanks to my mom uh, and thanks to Mike Gilmartin, who I told you about earlier. Um, he helped help edit the book. And then I had Jennifer Rolsman, my cousin, help finish the book. Uh, Francesco, who is a uh, great comic book uh, um, artist in Chicago, did the cover. And I made the cover kind of like the old LJN wrestling figures. I'm in the ring. There's the skyline behind me instead of the crowd of people. And then I put Bobby Heenan's picture on there. And we did the autograph signing, I think, in March. Um, uh, and uh, the rest is history. And uh, he was Bobby always promoted me and he even tried it even when he was down to his last few months. I mean, he was trying to get me into WWF. He was talking to Pat Patterson. And I, I really appreciate because he didn't have to do that. That's like Michael Jordan helping out a kid in high school. Hey, I'll write. Uh, I'll put you over. You don't have to do that. Hawk didn't have to do that. Uh, Bobby Heenan didn't have to. Jim Cornette came out of retirement to work against me. Um, so I'm very blessed to have worked with the legends that I have. Yeah, it just it kind of just hearing these stories, just it really just speaks to the kind of people that these guys really were. I mean, you look at Bobby Heenan, the character on TV, and he's just this guy that you just wanted to, you know, get at and beat up and put in a weasel suit and stuff. And then you hear the stories just as like the just as the one you just told, and it's just he's a really good guy. Well, think of this way: the last bump he took, or when he fell down before me, was for Hogan in the XWF. So for him at his age with what everything he's going through to get beat up by a rookie man, a manager, you know, it's unheard of, but he was helping me out. Okay, cool. So kind of going back to, uh, a, you know, PCW, we talked that you talked about like all the people that helped you. What's it like, like for someone that's maybe thinking about starting up a promotion or some, what is it? What advice would you give someone? Well, that's the hard thing because every promotion is going to, you can give them, I can, I've talked to pretty much a lot of different promotions and I've given them great advice because I look at it from a business standpoint. See, most people stand too close to the trees. They're actually seeing bark. They don't see the big picture. They don't see trees. And I try to try to give them advice that what would I do if I was running a promotion? And um, right now, right now in Chicago, you have quite a few different promotions. You have POW run by Jimmy Blaze. You have mm -hmm. Underground Wrestling. You have CSW run by Steve Boz. You have uh, I don't want Dynamic Wrestling run by Braun the Lumberjack. Um, you have quite a few different promotions. You have um, the one Freelance. So there's quite a uh, AAW. Yep. Um, and then you go to Indiana. You have uh, a company I work for, um, ARW, which is run okay. by. Uh, uh, Joey Boom Boom, um, and we just the Chicago Connection just invaded their company. Nice. We uh, basically told everyone, told the family, that's their little faction, that the Chicago Connection, twenty years of dominance, twenty years of gold, has decided to expand our horizons with myself and Cognito Jones and Santana Starks, and pretty much capture gold. And that's what we did. And we actually our first match was. Um, against Willie the Bomb Richardson, who I've worked with, 
and uh, pretty much told him that you're on the wrong team. The family isn't going to win this time. And you're taking a faction, the family that's been around Chicago for 10 years, and you take the faction of the Chicago Connection because we're everything you're not and nothing that you'll be and showed him and showed Charlie Manson Jr. that there is only one P.L. Myers. There is only one most powerful man in Chicago, and you're looking at him. And they've been very gracious to us. And another company in Chicago that's starting up October 3rd is Chicagoland Championship Wrestling, run by Mr. John Bullard. Um, he's doing a show in Michigan City, Indiana. And they're doing a TV taping, which is going to be on Amazon Prime. And right here, they have all the legends that are coming on the show. You have a Vic Capri, a Marche Rocket. You got... I mean, it's a who's who. C. Red, one of the great managers. Uh, you have quite a few different people. You got the Gotch Brothers. You got Youth Gone Wild. And tickets are only 10 bucks. And a family four-pack's only $30. That's $7.50 a ticket. Um, so there are a lot of companies out there that I've worked for, that I've given advice to. And uh, I think there's a lot of things that I can give advice to that just make sense. But again... I'm not playing. It's not my company, as my better half always tells me. He said, Paul, it's not your company. It's their company. Well, I'm trying to help them out. So the advice if you're starting up a wrestling company is you got to know your market. You got to make it family friendly. You got to make it the prices of the tickets reasonable. Um, you got to see what where every dollar you can make at the shows. And, you know, you got to give back to the business because these fans of Chicago and Indiana are very hardworking people, just like ARW. I went to the ARW show run by Joey Boom Boom, and I've never been there before. Those fans are blue-collar fans that love professional wrestling. They're the little ladies swinging purses, and that's what that company is about. It's about building a company that you can take anybody to. And then with CCW, that company is going to be the exact same thing October 3rd. So there's a lot of great companies in Chicago. I mean, just even locally here near my neck of the woods, POW, run by Jimmy Blaze. Mm -hmm. Great bunch of locker room guys, and Jimmy Blaze has been around the block 20 times over. Um, one of my friends I've known for 20 years, and he does what he thinks is best for the fans of Chicago and his and his roster. And the, we were I, was, I worked for him for a year. I managed Matt DeWar, the future, who you're going to see very soon again. Uh, in the Chicagoland area. Um, uh, he's He's been wrestling. And the thing is that we won the, uh, helped Matt DeWar become the Midwest champion of POW. And then I also helped uh, um, quite a few other talents in the area uh, get gold. You know, there's just a lot of great guys out there. Awesome. Well, a couple more questions here, and then I think I'm going to wrap it up here. Um, so... Uh, so I've heard a lot of names that are somewhat familiar to me, but may not be familiar to like, you know, the majority of, of the audience here. Give me, uh, like about a small handful of guys that you would say, watch, watch for these guys, like, because they're, they could become big. Um, right now, I think there's quite a few guys that are big that haven't got the national experience exposure you know a marche rocket uh, a veteran like vic capri you know that's that's a former champion of many different companies who is respected in the business and i respect him tremendously 
guys that are coming up. Um, I think you look at um, that are coming to CCW that I'm aware of, uh, the Gotch brothers. You know, those guys um, are, have an amateur background. Um, one was in the military, and one of them actually beat cancer. Um, two guys that carry on the Gotch name, three times removed from, from Frank Gotch, the first ever heavyweight champion who won his belt in Chicago, Comiskey Park. Um, you're looking at a guy like Matt Dewar, who is a, a, a great god, who uh, six foot six foot six, who has a has a heart um, and uh, just needs the right um, focus on getting to the top, which he helped with Cognito Jones and myself and Pow. Um, there's other guys. Um, one of the guys that I just met, uh, Johnny Nine from uh, CCW, I think is an up and comer guy that uh, who who has the height. Who proved me wrong? He's kind of like Edge. You know, a guy that's going to go. So, um, and other guys, I think uh, up and comers, uh, I don't know if there's some times up and comers because some of these guys have been around the block for a long time. Um, one of the guys I just saw, TJ Steele, he's uh, supposedly coming to CCW, um, who I have the utmost respect for um, and look that up um, um, because he's been doing interviews with uh, Steve Arendt and uh, John Bullard uh, on Pro Wrestling Tonight. Uh, so there's a lot of guys, up-and-comers, that just have the heart, that want to go to that next level. Um, and that's those guys you're looking for. I mean, uh, a Cognito Jones, who I work with, you know, he's he's going after titles in ARW. I mean, the guy is jack-of-all-trades. So there's a lot of guys in Santana Starks. He's doing the same thing. So are there a lot of guys out there who are working really hard? Yeah. And I think that's why you go to independent shows to find that next guy. I mean, back in the day when I first started, it was like Acid, Double M, Jay Jensen, Maverick. Those guys, to me, were the up-and-comers that should have been on WB television or WF television. So there's always going to be a generation of guys that are coming up through the woodworks um, to get to that next level. I mean, look at guys like Joey Roth in Chicago, manager. I mean, uh, the uh, Ilian heavyweight champion for over 450 days. And then you look at a guy like Steve Arendt, who is, I would say, the Jim Ross of Chicago, who's going to be doing play-by-play for uh, CCW and has the heart for the business. So there's a lot of up-and-comers, but they're not, they might not be 21-year-old guys fresh out of the gym, but they're guys that have put a lot of time in to get to that next level. That's awesome. So second to last question, uh, who are some of the guys that are currently – you know, in the bigger organizations, WWE, AEW, Impact, that you would say you're a fan of? Well, the funny thing is, I don't really watch a lot of pro wrestling anymore. I've, I'm i kind of that old man on the hill that would rather watch his 80s wrestling, where, I hate to say the guy that was on television, it was real to me, damn it, you know, who I actually met in Charlotte. Um those guys made it more real. I mean, I believe that they were professional wrestlers. What WWF is doing or WWE is doing right now, they're grabbing at straws. NXT guys, they're 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 like Ring of Honor wrestlers that are just on a bigger spotlight. Uh, uh, you look at AEW, run by Cody Rhodes, and again, there's a, and, and Tony Khan. You know, we're all armchair quarterbacks, and I could say the one guy that sticks out is MJF. He cuts a promo. He knows how to wrestle. He 
he knows how to get the the, the uh, he he lives his he lives who he is, and that's the one guy that stands out. But again, not to be disrespectful to anyone on any roster from Impact or anywhere, I don't watch them, so I can't say, oh my God, they're great, because you could be New Jack told me. You could be the greatest wrestler, greatest manager, greatest guy in the stick. But if the promoter doesn't push you, you go nowhere. Are there guys out there that shouldn't be wrestling on television? Yes. There's guys on the independents in Chicago that are have been wrestling um, on AEW dark matches. They're trying to get that next level. So it doesn't matter who really stands out on those shows because look at this way. A guy like Seth Rollins, his very first independent wrestling show was Dream Night 1 where he was at Elmhurst College. That was his very first show he watched. Oh, and, wow. there's, and there's guys, and I'll tell you right now, there's guys uh, in Ohio Valley that are from Chicago that are saying the world on fire. fire. Steve, Steve Michaels, that guy is a beast. Guy's like six foot eight. That's the guy you look out for because that's the guy you could root for. So all you people singing home, you want to root for a guy that's got heart for the business, who's a fan of the business, has put a lot of time and effort in the business, you know, and he's not, and he hasn't been around that long, but that's the guy you get behind because he's from Chicago. That's the guy from Chicago you get behind besides Chicago connection. All right. Um, last question. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to. No. Okay. So my last question is, um, but it's another PCW one. Um, December of 2014, um, I came with my best friend, Andre, and you guys had brought in Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. And it was the first PCW show we'd been to in quite a long time. And I remember running into you and running into a lot of, you know, uh, Jared Priest, uh, I think Rick Knight, and I can't remember who else. But, you know, it's just like old times and stuff. And I remember telling Andre, like, we need to start going back. And then a couple weeks later, it was announced that you guys were shutting down. And can you, uh, can you, uh, would you mind talking about what happened that caught, that caused PCW to close its doors? Yeah. I think the thing is that PCW ran for 14 solid years, successful dream nights, a thousand people, 1500 people, 1700 people. We had the biggest name people in the business. And at the time, in 2014, everyone was 14 years older. Everyone had kids. I was getting married. You know, we had other things that were more important than wrestling because it's kind of like we didn't want to jump the shark. We didn't want to breathe around at the time for, for 20, 30 years and draw only 100 people. We set a, a standard. Some people can say, well, the PCW success is because you brought in people and that's what got them in the doors. Yeah, you're right. But you know what? Ultimate Warrior, perfect example. Uh, 1,500 people, only 200 people got autographed. 1,300 people still stayed and watched the show. Ric Flair comes in. Bret Hart, twice, over 1,500 people. They could still see his autograph and stuff. So when we got to Ricky Steamboat show, we were like, who else is out there to bring in? And at the time, wrestling, you remember, people were watching Netflix. People want to stay home. It's expensive. And it just became, we just decided that, you know what? We don't want to run in front of 20 people. We weren't drawing that yet, but we knew it was coming because everyone was just tired. I mean, bringing in Sting at Dream Night 13, that was a big show. It took a lot of time and effort. So I think what happened was just guys were just live on their legacy of what we did. 
and that's why they closed the doors down. And um, there are other reasons, you know, people wanted to keep it going and people wanted to buy it and do other things, but it just didn't materialize. And some people moved on with their life. Some people didn't. And, uh, you know, it is what it is. And there's a million different stories of why. But I think at the end of the day is when everybody just is just going to call it a day. They're just going to call it a day because it was it was a it was a group decision, but it was also a decision that made sense at the time. Now, if we could go back and say, hey, let's do one more show. But then you draw four or five hundred people. And why couldn't we draw four or five hundred people tonight? So it, it just became a part where we did it all. Let's. Let's go out on our swords and have a great time. And that's what we did. Awesome. Well, uh, PL, I want to thank you for taking some time out of your day to be the first guest on What Do You Say? Um, before we uh, before we uh, call it a night, uh, how can people reach you on social media? And also, is there anything you would like to plug? Upcoming shows, upcoming events, your book? Oh, uh, first of all, Again, thank you very much for giving me the honor to know you personally as a great person, as a great dad. There's nobody else out there that loves their kid and about wrestling. Say, hey, we're not throwing the football around. We're watching wrestling. Is then you. Um, Damn right. But as, as, as P.L. Myers, the shot to the top, um, they can catch me on Facebook as P.L. Myers. That's pretty much simple. You'll see my picture. Or no, you'll see an icon. And then don't forget the world famous Chicago Connection t-shirts where everything you're not, nothing that you'll be. Uh, 20 years of championship domination. Um, you can see me in ARW when ARW opens back up in Indiana. A great family promotion. Tickets are only 10 bucks. Run by a great promoter, Joey Boom Boom. And then I think I'll have to give you a little scoop right now. I'm, you're going to be the first ones to hear this because I was going to say this publicly, but I'll say it on your show to make it special. Awesome. You know, this show, this show, October 3rd, Michigan City, Indiana. How can you have Chicago Land Championship Wrestling without the Chicago connection? Just doesn't make sense. It does. So you might have come to the show, be part of history, to see history when I come as a shot to the top. Pro Wrestling's manager extraordinaire, bringing back the role of the manager and showing the world why I'm the best at what I do. And so October 3rd, I think you need to buy your tickets now because you don't want to be left out when everyone's talking about it the next day. So those are the two events you can come see me at. My book is on Amazon. Um, you can get it even on eBay too, but I'd go through Amazon. Um, but again, uh, I've been honored and blessed to work in Chicagoland for the last 20 years. I work with the great wrestlers, great fans, great people, even from managing the road warriors, working with uh, Bobby the Brain Hand, Jim Cornette, Superfly Snooker, Bill Alfonso, a great mentor to me. The list goes on. I've been part of history. I've been blessed, but it's always been a teamwork. So as I say in my book, do what you love, love what you do, and the world will come to you. Boy, I learned from uh, my friends father, Mr. Tony Paris, an English teacher, uh, sorry, Latin teacher who saw it in class. And that's been his motto for his whole life. So that's kind of my motto. So uh, we look forward to seeing you and your family out at a wrestling show very soon. All right. Well, thanks again. Um, this has been, uh, D what do you say with DDJ? And uh, 
Good night. Good night. Thanks again to P.L. Myers for taking time to talk with me. Thought he told a lot of great stories. Thought he provided a lot of really good insight when it comes to running uh, your own promotion. He did a great job of spotlighting not only the young up-and-coming talent on the Chicago independent scene, but I thought he did a great job spotlighting some of the veterans of the Chicago independent scene. And I hope those of you who are watching this or listening to this that live in the Chicagoland area can get out and support some of these guys. I look forward to being able to go to these shows on a regular basis here in the near future. Also, if you already haven't done so, make sure you go to Amazon.com to get your copy of Gate to Gate. It is a really good book. I've read the first few pages, and I cannot wait to read the rest. Uh, shout out to my best friend in the world, Andre Boyd, for providing the intro and outro music for this show. And also to my boy, Charlie, up in Staten Island, who is going to be my editor. Uh, well, I hope you all enjoyed the show. I look forward to doing more of these. And if you have any questions, if there's anybody that you know that would like to appear on the show, or if you just have some feedback or suggestions, Reach out to me via Facebook Messenger. Uh, my, you can always post on my Facebook page. Uh, I'm also on Twitter at Dennis W. Day Jr. And eventually plan on creating a specific email account just for this show where you can email in your questions, comments, suggestions, and all that good stuff. Before we call it a night, uh, P.L. Myers has one more thing he'd like to say. So, uh, take it away, P.L. This is P.L. Myers, a shot to the top, pro wrestling's manager extraordinaire. And there's only one thing you should be watching, one thing you should be listening to, and that's the man himself. What do you say with D.D.J.?